my name's Todd. <laughs> this is Kathy. You forgot something. I forgot to put my microphone in front of me. Forgot to bring your mic. You're you're multitasking, sweetie. Oh my god! Trying to keep my headband on, keep my glasses on. For those who are listening and not seeing, what do you mean? (laughs) Well, it's Halloween today, duh. Yes. Um, and so we have to be wearing costumes, and I my costume is actually very simple, as um, Wonder Woman. But I have a headband on, plus I, I don't think Wonder Woman wears glasses, but I have to wear glasses, plus I have to put on earphones. So like my ears have like three different things on them. It's not the most comfortable thing. So, But anyway, here I am. No, that's Michael Myers. Yeah, this is a Halloween theme oh, song. Oh, okay. I thought you were like trying to bring in our costumes. No, like, sweetie. If I was trying to bring in our costumes, I would do this. All the world is waiting. And the power you possess. This show was on uh, when I was kind of probably going through puberty. I know. You loved Linda. I loved Linda. You know who I loved more? Other Ooh. other than you, yeah. obviously. Um, Gal Gadot. Gal, Gal Gadot. Yeah, but this show was Linda Carter. Correct. And she's a gorgeous human being. Right. And so... And it, now you love the new version I of love Wonder them both. Woman. Right. But not as much as you. Oh, thanks, honey. And then don't forget about me. Right. Yeah. Todd, go like this. Pull your shirt open like that. See? That's what he does. Todd's the in-between of Clark Kent and Superman because he's got the Superman shirt. You know what? I got to take a picture. You do? While you're doing it. While we're doing the show. It's gonna, they're so meta in so many ways. Is it? <laughs> you get me? I got it. I got it. All right. Puffing my chest out is exhausting. I know. It really is. Um, This is podcast number, let's see what number it is, 682, Why Listen to Zen Parenting Radio, because you'll feel outstanding. And I always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. We have some breaking news. Oh, more than I'm Wonder Woman and you're Clark Kent slash Superman? All right. Can't wait. Um, Team Zen. We do it every, uh, actually quite often. I was going to say twice a month, but now that we have all these micro communities, it's kind of crazy. So Team Zen, it's 25 bucks a month if you want to be like, I guess, a Zen Parenting Insider. Last week, we had uh, Dr. John Duffy. Yeah, last Friday. To support and help those on the team. We have a bunch of micro communities uh, set up. One is loved ones dealing with addiction, parents of differently wired kids. We just started another one called Raising Healthy Sons, and then we have one more. Uh, what's the fourth micro-community? Addiction, neurodivergence. Oh, separation, divorce. Separation, divorce. So go ahead. So, well, what I was going to say is when Todd says micro-communities, what he means is we have our big team Zen community, which is everybody who can show up to the live talks with us and then with our special guests that we call Team Zen Presents. And then the micro-communities are groups of people within Team Zen that get together to talk about specific things that they're dealing with. Like Todd said, if it be addiction, divorce, separation, um, raising neurodivergent children, or, um, or raising healthy sons, raising healthy sons, it just gives you another community. And we're going to have one special guest every month. This month of October was Dr. John Duffy. And this month coming up uh, in November is Heather Chauvin. Yeah, that's how I say it. Um, we better confirm that, but that's how I say it every time I read it. And that's on November 21st. So if you're interested... But tell a little about her because You know may, more than I do. Well, she's just one of... So she Heather has a TED Talk and she has a book and it's all about being a mom. But her story goes beyond that because Heather was diagnosed with... Um, stage four. Stage four cancer. And so her book is called... Um, I think it's called Dying to Be a Mom. Mm-hmm. or And... Um, it's her story of, you know, finding herself and figuring out how to take care of herself while being a mother rather than running herself down and how to um, be alive as a parent, you know, in, in all the, the ways that that word means, like to thrive rather than just 
the, muddle through. The name of the book was Dying to Be a Good Mother. Dying to Be a Good I Mother. How I Dropped the Guilt and Took Control of My Life in Parenting. Yeah. So Todd and I are just excited to hear her story from her, but also for everybody who's on Team Zen, they get to ask questions, they get to talk with her, learn from her. Um, and so that's, it, what day is that, Todd? November? November 21st. So that's later in the month. So that's Cameron's birthday. Yeah. Oh my God, she's going to be 18. Yeah. That's the day our daughter Cameron turns 18. Her middle daughter. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Crazy. Okay. Um, anyway. So if you're interested, just scroll in the notes of this podcast and click on Team Zen and you'll learn more. Um, I uh, So the main topic, and I don't want to go, I don't want you to go there yet, sweetie, is uh, value and safety. Right. And I know you don't like it when I get off track because you want to just keep going, but yeah. let me explain what that is. Sure, go ahead. So basically we are going to talk about in with in parenting, what are the things that we focus on? Because sometimes we're just like, I don't know which thing is the most important thing. And not that I'm going to be able to spell that out for you super clearly, but we're going to narrow it down to two things that might give us a little more understanding of the overlap of that sometimes, well, I'll, I'll dig into that when we start talking. Sweetie, hold off on the digging. I know. I won't dig yet, but basically it's the things we should focus on as, when we're parenting, regardless of age. Um, but first I'm going to derail the podcast because oh, something just happened to us this morning and I'm going to play 60 seconds. What happened to us this morning? And you'll know why in a second. Okay. I'm you, scared. You'll laugh. Don't All be right. scared. Um, there's a movie called Inside Out that most people have seen. Yes. Amazing movie. Uh-huh. Pixar animation. Um, I'm going to play 60 seconds of it, and then I'm going to have you guess why I'm playing it. Okay. Um, and the scene is Riley, who's the young girl, who's uh-huh. the pr- main protagonist in the movie, is at the dining room table with her two parents. Okay. Mother and... And so what you're going to hear is them going back from, uh, you know, mom, dad, and Riley to the personas within... That live in her head. Uh, well, all three heads, as it turns out. All three heads. All right, here we go. I'm done. You pretend to be Joy. What? Okay. Um. Hmm. It was fine, I guess. I don't know. Oh, very smooth. That was just like Joy. Something is definitely going on. She's never acted like this before. What should we do? We're going to find out what's happening, but we'll need support. Signal the husband. <laughs> husband is thinking in his head. She's looking at us. Uh, what did she say? What? Oh, oh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. Is it garbage night? Uh, we left the toilet seat up. What? What is it, woman? What? He's making that stupid face again. I could strangle him right now. Signal him again. <laughs> ah, so, Riley, how was school? <laughs> For this, we gave up that Brazilian helicopter pilot? Boo, I'll be joy. School was great. All right. There okay, we go. yeah, because you could keep going and going, but it's the same message. Um, sweetie, why did I play that? Well, I mean, it's it wasn't exactly a thing with parenting, but I just I came downstairs at about eight fifteen, eight thirty, and I was wearing a Wonder Woman costume and I was asking Todd a bunch of questions and he was answering them and proceeding with being on his computer and even well, asked me some questions and well, didn't even notice that I was in a costume. To defend myself, because uh-huh. that's the first way to be as unparent is start defending defend, yourself. Defend your position. When in doubt, defend. Um, I was on my computer looking at my computer, which uh-huh. is up against the wall. So you're asking me questions from behind me. So it's not like we're sitting at the kitchen table. Right. But in a conversation, most of the time people turn around and make eye contact with the person they're talking to. And you were just continuing on. I was locked in. You were locked in. Just like the dad was on Inside Out. I know. So that is, it's not a problem. But then literally 45 minutes later, after having a number more of conversations, Todd came out. He's like, oh, (laughs) you're in a Wonder Woman costume. Just takes me a while. And I'm like, Todd, I've been wearing this the whole time we've been talking. Just takes me a while, sweetie. <laughs> um, should we do the Zen parenting moment or should we just jump into the value safety um, well, The Zen parenting moment was about codependency, right? It was. Uh, you want me to read the or quote? Was it about codependency? Yeah, it was about codependency, yeah. Uh, there's a quote from Melody Beattie who uh-huh. wrote a book on codependence. They have worried themselves sick about other people. They have tried to help in ways that didn't help. They have said yes when they meant no. They have been afraid to trust their feelings. They have bent over backwards, avoiding hurting people's feelings, and in doing so, have hurt themselves. Yeah. So um, basically, 
I wanted to write, I've just had so many conversations with people about this in the last, I don't know, two or three months. Um, and then I noticed that she was on, Melody was on Glennon's podcast last week. And then I was listening to another podcast about boundaries and codependency was being brought up and it's being brought up in, you know, my own therapy. Um, I just think it's something we, it's not about labeling yourself. It, it Like when I'm sharing a descriptive word, when I'm sharing a word to describe things that we're doing, it doesn't mean that we have to then declare ourselves this thing. Like it's not like, okay, I'm a codependent. That's not what's necessary. It's recognizing a bunch of uh, characteristics that we have or decisions that we make and how sometimes they end up being codependent. That, that we are doing things to enable other people's behavior that we are my my way it shows up is I'm I like to I don't mind if people are having conflict or if things are happening where they have to have deep conversations but I want to control how the conversation goes so there's less you know so in other words if it starts going it gets, there's less getting, destruction getting messy and goes sideways and people are really getting reactive you like to kind of reframe it, make yeah. sure everybody feels heard. So I may not stop it, and I'm I'm not enabling it, but I am definitely you're modifying in. it. Yeah, I'm modifying it. The consequences are not natural. Like mm-hmm. there, there's a sense of like let's do this, and and some of that is teaching and role modeling. Like there's there's that's why it's like we don't have to call ourselves a name. It's just like do we recognize when our brains are being flooded by other people's experiences and then we are trying to resolve it as if we should be like pulling the strings of our kids. And I think this, you know, uh, a friend of mine just said to me last week, she said, I just have been thinking about, she was, you know, talking about one of her kids. She's like, I've been thinking about this kid nonstop for two months and about how to deal with certain things. And all I think about is this kid. And that's, that's and I know what she's saying because we all have times like that where we're really like hyper aware, but we have to make room for ourselves and our own thoughts, or else we really are just trying to act out our children's lives. And we're trying to be one step ahead of the game and we're trying to figure out what they need to hear and we need to and we need to have a some separation where we are also experience our our own thoughts and our own desires and having our own life. Otherwise, we're going to be exhausted for this kid. We're going to, and we're going to be frustrated with this kid because they're not doing the things that we would want them to do that we've built up in our head. Does that make sense? It totally does. And it's probably not the last time you'll be hearing from us on the subject because it seems to be coming up quite a bit. Yeah. And, and I just think sometimes when we start to see a pattern of behaviors, it gives us better understanding of, oh, I'm doing that. And how can I not maybe in the moment I'm at, I am very involved and so be it, but how can I then be able to remove myself from that situation and do things that I need to do and have a little bit of space um, between my thoughts and somebody else's? And that's not easy for me, man. It's no. not easy for me. Um, there's a part of me that wants to play The Space Between by Dave Matthews, but I'm too lazy. Why don't we... you just sing it? The Space Between Our Separate Lives. Is that what he says? Uh, I don't know. Wasn't that on your JC birthday? Uh, let's have JC get born CD that you made. Uh, the very first song oh, that was, was Gray, Gray Street. Street. That mm-hmm. was it. That was let's have JC be born. It was called my. <laughs> it was called my birth mix. That's what it was. It was a birth mix, and guess what? I didn't listen to it at all so while you, I was birthing. You crushed it that day, though. I did. I birthed a child. You did. Yes. There you go. Yep. Thank you, Dave Matthews. So it's just a recognition of where do we begin, where do our children end, and vice versa. Um, Okay. So we decided that today, you know, last week, what did we do? talk about last week? I forget. The Taylor Swift Um, song? It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. So we talked about being at cause. And you had a whole bunch of papers and notes and all that. Sure did. They're still all here on my desk. Which is rare. Yes. And you got to, what, 1% of everything you want to talk about? <laughs> I did like half a page. And then I don't know what you have planned for today, but okay. we were, uh, it was a team, it was a Zen talk. Uh-huh. And we were, uh, one of the team members was asking us about how to set some frameworks and boundaries around their kids. 
who uh, kid was 13 and starting to rebel a bit, right? And I think that the co- the confusion in the conversation was, how do I teach a kid to be smart and be safe without um, making them think that I am like approving of certain behavior? It's easier like, to use it as an example. Okay, so... Well, then let's just jump in. Let's jump. Okay. So the thing that we're going to talk about today is the difference between our values and then safety. Okay. So two things that that are that we need to. Ooh, I like having. I can see my my yeah, Wonder Woman cuffs. And you and I are the only ones who can't. I see know, it, but that's okay. I can give them a visual. Like the light is bouncing off them. I feel very powerful. Very powerful cuffs. They can stop bullets. Yes. Basically, yes. Um, so. We, we have to, like, when we're thinking about what is the most important thing when parenting, and again, it's a silly question because it changes moment to moment, but there are some, like, big picture things that we need to focus on, which are we what we want to teach our children, first of all, is, like, a value system that our family has. How do we teach a value system? By showing up as ourselves, by, by living our value system, by, oh, sorry, thank you. By talking about what our family family values. What do I mean by value? If we have a certain culture, we talk about our culture. If there is a certain religion, we talk about that religion. If we just have certain things that we're interested in, like I would say part of our, our family culture is pop culture. Oh, yeah. And we talk about it all the time. And we talk about the industry. And we talk about, you know, movie quotes. And we talk about music. It's just part of our family culture. And it's one of those things that... Sweetie, are you saying pop culture is our religion? No, no, God, no. Gosh, no. Um, I'm just saying that it's culture is broad. Like, Oh, dear. What's, Todd, what's happening? I have a new laptop and it's weird. Okay. You're, I, I you a, just, it's in my ears. Not in not my, my ears. Not in my ears. Um, so it can be culture. It can be beliefs. It can be your worldview. You know, how do you experience the world? You talk about it with your kids. You, it can be how to, part of values is how you manage emotions. You know, like if you're one of those parents who's driving like a crazy person around town and, you know, running through yellow lights, your kids are in the car. They're watching this value system. Like it's saying to them once, once they're in top driver, Hey, you should stop at a yellow light. If you're zooming through yellow lights every time, that's what they're learning. Yeah. I mean, let's be real, right? Um, So, but I'm also talking about, I'm trying to keep this like about the more positive aspects, like our values are what our hopes and dreams are for our children. It may have been things that we want to make sure they understand, mistakes that we made. It may be things that we hope they understand about their current environment that they're living in or whatever it may be about our history as a family. But then the next thing is to make sure that we also share with them how to stay safe. And I think one of the the easiest ways to, as Todd said, to give an example is the number one is value. So let's talk about like sex education. You may talk to your child about your hopes and dreams for their life, their intimate life. Like you hope that maybe they wait until they're in love or they wait till they're a certain age or they wait till they're married or whatever it may be you know, that they, you, you have a certain value system that you would like to impose. At the same time, you can also teach them about safety measures that they can take to keep themselves safe, regardless of the value system you're talking about at home. Why I'm saying it this way is because I think sometimes we think, I'm going to share with my kids that I hope they make certain choices when it comes to, you know, their own sexual lives. But then because I'm telling that to them, I'm not going to talk to them about birth control. I'm not going to talk to them about consent. I'm not going to talk to them about sex or sexuality because I don't want them to think I'm approving of something before this this imposed value so that you, I'm putting. Are you, aren't you just endorsing premarital, t- premarital sex when you bring up birth control with your daughters? Well, and that's the conversation, right? Is that I think it's so important for a family to share their values with their kids. And I also think there's a place that we have to have some confident humility. 
And confident humility, I got that from Adam Grant. I was going to say, that's a new word. Yeah, so yeah. I got it from Adam Grant, and I'm going to read his definition. It's being secure enough in your knowledge to recognize your ignorance and secure enough in your strengths to acknowledge your weaknesses. Mm. What that means to me is that you can have an understanding of this is why I have these ideals for you and this, this value system that I would like to share with you, and this is what we as a family think is most important, whatever it may be. But our kids are not us. So they may take that value system to heart and always have it in their mind and have it, you know, as something that's important to them because they love us. But they're also going to have a different life experience. It's almost like, um, and I don't know, I'm just thinking this out loud. Yeah. Um, it's almost like whether it's about drunk driving, relationship with alcohol, drugs, weed, yeah. sex, we have our suggestions. Right. Our suggestion is wait as long as you can or maybe forever before you start using alcohol and drugs. Right. Um, suggestion is I would love for you to wait until you're in love before you have sex. Mm-hmm. There's suggestions. We don't have, I think us parents think that we have control. Right. Control is a different thing. We don't have control. We have some influence. So it's important for us to share these suggestions, influences with our kids, knowing that they're a different human being than, than we us. are. Yes. And most of the time we're acting from our own fears from our own childhood, by the way. And not only a different human being than us, but growing up at a different time than us. We cannot know what it's like no. to be 13 years old right now or 18 years old right now. We have an idea, right. but we don't know what it's like. No. And depending on their situation, it could be harder than ours was. It could be less difficult than ours was. There's no way to, and each situation may be different. You know what I mean? Like it, there is not, um, it could depend on the year. It could, you know, depend on the situation that they're in, whether or not it's the same experience we had or not. But the belief system that our experience in life and our value system that we hold right now because of when we were born, our family history and our experiences, that's where we got our value system, that that is going to hold 100% with our kids is not always going to be true. It may be true. It could be be passed along. It could be something where they're like, yeah, I'm like right with you, you know, mom and dad or mom and grandma or dad and uncle, you know, like they may be like, yeah, this is something that, um, that I believe. And uh, I feel like, I mean, maybe I'm saying the same thing over and over again, but the idea the for us for us parents have expectations of the decisions that our kids are going to make in these really confusing times of their lives it's unrealistic yeah i would love to say my kids are going to make all the wise choices what's the realism in that what word did you just say cuz you were laughing um always wise all the wise choices all the wise choices okay like how realistic is that it's not very realistic and that's how you learn like right I, I would love for my daughters to be, quote unquote, perfect, like always make the right decisions about sex, drugs, boys, girls, whatever. It's simply not possible. Well, and as and you're saying that, and I get why you're saying it to make a point, but of course you don't really want that because then they'd never learn there's anything. There's no experience, right? Yeah, there's no experience to be had. There's no, there's no um, growth. There's no recognizing who you want to be and who you don't want to be. There's no... Um, there's no learning how to repair. Mm -hmm. There's no learning how to apologize. There's no learning how to be resilient. There's no learning how to, you know, deepen your compassion. And for me, it's more about how am I being with what's occurring? Maybe my kids make the quote unquote right choice 80% of the time. How am I being with what's occurring for the other 20% of the time? Do I get really reactive and defensive and start screaming or shut down or become passive aggressive? Or can I treat this kid at this very vulnerable time with a sense of love, empathy, compassion. I'm not, I'm just making up scenarios, but um, I think that's what our job is as parents is to be able to respond when these things happen as opposed to react to them. And I think part of our job is if we use the word values and, and safety is that our job is to give our children a very whole W-H-O-L-E, whole perspective and wide perspective of things that they can do. And when I say things that they can do, for example, you may have a younger child who rides a bike all the time or rides a, you know, a skateboard or something. And you're like, you have to wear a helmet. You need to wear a helmet. You know, that's what you need to do. That's part of... That's a rule. That's a rule. I want you to do that. 
But you're also going to make sure that if they didn't, for whatever reason, because, because they, of peer pressure, because yeah, of right. where they were, because of that they know what to do if they hit their head, that they call 911 or they ask for help. or And I'm giving like an or, extreme situation. Or they know how to navigate their bike in a safe way. Like, let's pretend the helmet is not on their okay. head. Yeah. Like, do they know not to fly through red lights? Because a lot, you know. Or to steer toward grass. Right, yeah. yeah, whatever. So like, hopefully you set up these other safety nets. Right. That if they do make this bad choice, that there's this safety net underneath them. And you don't even need to say it. You know, Todd's saying it that way to make a point, but you don't say to your kids, okay, here's our value system. And if you decide to not abide by no, our no, value system. you don't system, even have to say it, right? No, you don't say, you just are giving them a wide perspective of information. The amount of times that I've told my my girls certain things, like this would be ideal. This would help in this situation. From my experience, here's a good idea. And they don't always do it. Right. And let me tell you, some of the time they've had to learn hard lessons and some of the time they knew better than me. And this is the confident humility thing is I have an idea how I think things work and what would work best. And I am looking at their lives from the outside. And so I'm taking my experience as, as a, you know, someone as a 51 year old woman and saying, do this and things will work out. And they are hearing me, but then they have to bring in their own experience and then make a choice. And sometimes it goes sideways and sometimes it go- comes out better. Good. Okay. Good. No, go ahead. Let me try to explain it this way. Okay. Um, I like math. You do? And I feel like, you know, the greater than less than sign that we learn in mm-hmm. third grade safety is greater than values. What do you think of that? And what I mean by that is if we tell our kid, hey, if you're ever um, drunk or your friends are drunk who are driving home, then I'll come pick you up. Yeah. There'll be no repercussions because you made this bad, de- made this decision. <laughs> because you made this horrible right. decision that I'll never forgive you I for. will come pick you up and and that'll be the end of the story. Yeah. That is against the values that I've shown my kids of what I hope they do. And so the reason I say this is, you know, son who's 16 years old, this is a condom. This is how it works. Yes. The safety trumps values. Well, and I think that what if, and let's just play with words here, does it have to be one against the other? Can you look at them as part of a big circle? Sure, but I like to... um, Have something win. Yeah, I like to have something win. And I understand. And in the situations you gave, that you offered, I totally get what you're saying. Why someone keeping our child alive is more important than them doing it the way that we, you know, absolutely. But I also feel like it doesn't have to be so stark where it's like, this is always more important because just they're flowing in the same sea. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm seeing them in the same, you know, it's all part of it and you don't have to pit them against each other. You're just teaching values by the way you live, by what you share with them, by the community you build around them. And then you don't just cross your fingers and hope for the best. You then also teach them about how to take care of their body and about who they can talk to if they need to, about what Todd just said. Um, If you are in a situation where you do make certain choices where you cannot drive or you do not have a ride or you feel unsafe, I am always here. And, And the other thing that I've learned from my kids now that they're older is even with that out there, and they they really love that. Um, I think that that, when I say love that, what I mean is they appreciate it. I think sometimes they also have needed permission to call other people. So they have needed to know that each, that like as sisters, that they can call each other. Yeah. Um, they have needed to know that their cousins are available. So in other words, the safety net doesn't have to, to be, just mom, be mom us. or dad. Correct. They have called their aunts. They have called, um, you know, a family, some of my best friends who are really close to them and like mothers. So they, they know what they have permission from us to, and it's not a permission. Like I now give you permission. It's a, again, that's part of our value system is we are a community. Here's a bunch of people that love and care for you. If you go to these people, we respect and honor that and your safety. And then this is where I will agree with you, Todd is the most important thing. Okay, it's not about teaching safety, but your 
personal well-being. Mm. And then, so in a way, I'm agreeing with you. Thank you. I, I just feel like when we say that to parents, are they saying, you know, depending on what their beliefs are, they'll be like, you're saying my values well, aren't important. It just, it sets up this contrast where people get frustrated. I know. And I can understand why somebody might be hearing this message being like, Todd and Kathy, you don't get it because what you don't understand is my religion says right. that That's... there is no such thing. Like it's, it's non-negotiable. Premarital sex is non-negotiable. Right. Like I don't pretend to be in your position. I don't pretend to have your value system. You can only work within your value system. Right. But what we're trying to do is keep our kids alive. Right. Right. Well, and here's what the problem is. <sighs> How do I say this? Okay. I've worked with enough families and people to see that if you don't do this, you are eventually going to have to reckon with it. Not with every kid, but when we hold up these controlling this this value system where it's a sense of I am controlling you or these other people are controlling you or this belief system is controlling you. Some kids may move along on their way and it may be okay. Like obviously we I'm working with percentages here. But most of the families I work with, obviously because they're asking for help, there's some kind of breakdown. There's a breakdown in communication. There's a breakdown in that their child starts using some kind of drugs and alcohol. There's a significant depression. They start to recognize that they don't feel like they belong in the family. They feel like they have been pushed out. They feel like they're not accepted because the values have become more important than this human being. Mm -hmm. And so this, this person, the parents may be saying, well, sorry, but this is our value system. So we're going to treat you accordingly, but you're going to then eventually have to deal with this. If your kid does not feel like they belong or that you are pushing them aside or that you look down on them because they don't believe what you believe. Plus there's like this inherent rebellion in most teenagers. Right. Like it's it's the way we evolve as human beings. Right. We we don't want our kids to fall into line and not have some sense of rebellion and it's um when there is a situation where there's like a hyper controlling parent out there saying, you know what? I know kids your age are out there drinking, so I'm never going to let you out on Friday and Saturday nights. I'm like trying to make a, an exaggerated example. Like you may not go see your friends. Right. The odds of that kid rebelling and doing all the very same things you're trying to prevent him or her from doing is much higher. Much higher. Because they're not a... Okay, Todd, we could have totally used this when the kids were younger. It would have been a way to entertain them in the car or maybe wind them down before bed. It's this streaming service called Pinna. Pinna is an audio streaming service just for kids that includes tons of podcasts, audiobooks, and more for ages 3 to 12. They offer some well-known stories and so many original podcasts and audiobooks, which kids are really enjoying. Plus, Pinna is a game changer for daily card trips, to and from school, and for weekend getaways. Not only will parents love listening, but the kids will beg to turn on Pinna the second they step in the car. It's a routine they can look forward to and makes car rides more enjoyable for the whole family. Pinna is offering our listeners one year of Pinna for 50% off. Just head to Pinna. Dot fm slash promo to sign up and use the coupon code ZPR at checkout. That's Pinna, P-I-N-N-A dot FM slash promo. Now on with the show. Is much higher. Much higher. Because they're not able, whenever you say to a human being, and I don't care if they're a teenager or not, I'm going to keep you in a box and you can only stretch as far as I say you can stretch. And you can only do the things I tell you to do. We have a discomfort with that. I mean, my goodness, look at what happened with mask mandates and stuff. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We have a discomfort with when, well, and I sure have a discomfort with people telling me what I can do with my body. You know, like, excuse me, like, excuse me. Like I, there's definitely a discomfort with someone saying you have to do this. And not only it's, it's discomfort, it feels um, dehumanizing, you know, like there is somebody else making decisions for your hum humanity. Now, when it comes to parenting, I understand rules and boundaries and structures. I also understand the importance of communication and the importance of, and again, this confident humility thing comes into play. I'm not saying we say to our kids, oh, it's fine if you sneak out and it's fine if you drink. It's about having conversations about it. It's about reminding them that while they will, they are a, um, individual and they do have some sense of autonomy, let me give you some information about the choices you make. So maybe your choices can be more well-informed rather than I'm going to control you 
because it may work for a while, but at some point it won't because we can't be there for everything. I feel like the third word in this podcast that's emerging other than value and safety is rules. And I don't know. And maybe maybe rules are embedded in this discussion yeah. and we don't need to, because we're not saying there shouldn't be rules. Of course there right? should be rules. Well, there's no other way, no matter if you're in a workplace, if you live in a town, if you drive a car, there's always a structure that needs to be adhered to. There's an expectation. But I'll just give my example of, okay, the rules of the road are when there's a yellow light and it's about to turn red, you stop. Has everybody listening done that? No, sometimes I speed up, sweetie, because I, I got to make it through. I know, you got to make it through. So my point is, is that even grown adults who have had lots of experiences make unsafe choices sometimes. And we need the ability to know what we do next. We need to know that there's someone we can talk to. We need to know that someone has talked to us about safety decisions, what the next step could be, and that someone may, we may have consequences for our actions. Like one thing that I've always said to parents, and this is true in my own parenting, is if my children do something and then there's consequences in the school or there's consequences with, you know, a group of friends or whatever, those have to be what they are. Like I can't, that that's outside of my circle of influence. So you're, they are experiencing consequences, mm-hmm. but within my home, I, my job is, and again, this is part of my value system is communication and connection is to be there and to talk to them and to support, <clears throat> not support in a way where I I believe where I say, yes, everybody's treating you poorly and you did everything correctly. I see what's going on, but I'm also still there. And I'm also helping them deal with the consequences, <laughs> not changing the consequences, so they can move through it. So um it, is that too much language to no, understand well, what I'm saying? Let me let me try to spell it out okay. this way. Uh, I have a friend who has younger kids, four and six, I think. I don't, okay. I, I don't know the ages. I'm sorry, I don't. Um, and they were taking pictures of their butt. Oh, the kids were taking pictures of their butt? Yeah, with yeah. the iPad or with the phone or yeah. whatever it was. And my friend um, really struggled with it because he was fast forwarding to when these kids are teenagers and it thinking about him. nudes yeah. and everything else. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I shared with him was that this, instead of you getting all kind of worried and jacked up, it's really an opportunity for a conversation. Absolutely. So it's not like, it's not if our kids are going to break these rules, it's when they do. Right. It's an opportunity for a conversation. Right. Instead of doubling down on the rules and establishing consequences that you're grounded or, and now I'm getting into other examples, but Oh, you drank beer when you're 16, you're grounded for two months or whatever. Like there, like I, I remember I got in trouble for drinking beer when I was, I think 15 or 16 and it was September and my parents grounded me till my birthday, which is in May. Right. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. Uh, and they, they did not hold true to the, you're grounded till your birthday conversation. Um, but there was no conversation. There was there was, there was just disappointment. Con- there was, was discipline. There was judgment. There was discipline and consequences. Discipline. Okay. There was no like. Let's talk about this. Why'd you drink? Well, because your friends did. Okay. Why is it important for you to do that? Oh, do you know what alcohol does to a fifteen-year-old brain? Oh, no, I did. Like none of that was going on. It was mm-hmm. oh, you did this, you're grounded. Boom. And I think that is the childhood that most of us people who are in their 30s, 40s, and 50s grew up in. It's right. like, oh, you screw up, you get grounded. Right. And I, I don't remember a lot of discussions. We're like looking for some straight line of you did this. Okay, well, then I'm going to take away your phone. Yeah. And then now I've given you some kind of discipline, but there hasn't been any learning. Yeah. And what a what a wasted opportunity. Well, and that's the thing is those kind of, you know, that story that you shared of little kids, that's a door that's open. Mm-hmm. Like we, we say like, oh, that's an opportunity to have a conversation, but now it's a door that's wide open that of course, when a door is wide open, there can be discomfort. Like, oh my gosh, I, I wasn't expecting this today. <laughs> or, you know, this is, I don't know what this means, but but it's such instead of talking to your kids about you know their bodies and and taking pictures and having it on the internet or just even having it on an iPad you can now sh- you can in real time explain to them you know why this could be a problem and why their body is for them and why it's a even though it can be silly and funny because remember kids think their butt is the funniest thing in the world well it kind of is I mean, everybody knows. the amount of, there was this period of time when our girls were young, when that word was the most common oh, yeah. word. 
Butt cheeks. Butt cheeks. Like they just thought it was the funniest word. And so you can see how kids can play that out with their play. And it doesn't mean what we think it means. No. We put on our lens as adults and we sexualize everything. Mm -hmm. And we think it means this or that. And when they're little, they're just learning. Mm -hmm. Now we can start to explain things to them about you know, um, being thoughtful about not having, you know, not taking pictures of our bodies for this reason, but we don't have to be afraid. Well, and my, my invitation to my friend was, dude, your job is to do your best in not having them feel shameful about it, yes. which is really hard yes. to do, right? Yeah. Sha- it, this is like, you know, I don't feel like we're beating around the bush at all, but there's these, there's these things, these elements, I'm trying to hold them in both hands and talk about them and respect both at the same time. And so it like, and so I'm going back and forth a lot really quickly, but really that bottom line is about not creating a, a community or not community, an environment that feels shaming mm-hmm. and judging. Mm-hmm. Because if you have created a, a an environment that feel, I keep wanting to say a community, an environment that feels shaming and judging, your kids will not come to you yeah. because they do not want to feel shame. Yeah. Now, guilt can come from explaining to your kids this choice, this hurt, this thing you said to me, this hurt, this thing you did caused harm. And they may feel a sense of guilt because that's what we should feel. One of the things that... That's, do- but let me say this really quick. Guilt is not the same as shame. Guilt is a behavior change. I feel bad about the behavior, so I'm going to change it. Shame is I feel bad about who I am. I'm a bad person. So guilt is like, oh, I have options here. I don't need to do this anymore. Like when I have conversations with my girls, I just had one this weekend, where they feel guilty about something, I feel that to be, and I'm not even part of it. I'm just listening to their story. That's very healthy. They're like, I didn't like what I did. I don't like the choice I made. And you can see them evolving. That's that's great. But if they were like, I'm so ashamed, I can't talk to anybody, I'm going into my hole, I feel so bad, I'm an awful person, that's not a good place to be. Mm. Okay. One of the things that Dr. Duffy said on the Zen Talk last week, which I really loved, um, was the idea that we have this like narrative that when our kids are between 13 and 18 or 13 and 20 or 12 and 20, that life's going to suck. Right. Right. And he's like, and and then eventually your kids come around and- the Life's going to suck for us. Yeah. Parents, like, yeah. Or, or your communication or your relationship with your kid is going to be so bad. And one thing John said, which I think is true, is it doesn't have to. Like we say I, that all the time. I think a lot yeah. of I think a lot of us parents are like, oh, I just can't wait till this kid matures a bit, so she he or she knows that I'm really coming from a loving place. And like that, what a long wait, what a wasted opportunity to have these really challenging relationships with your kids when they're 13, 14, 15, 16, when we can make moves to make that deep connection now. And what is happening in those years then? Are you fighting them? Are you telling them you know everything and they know nothing? Are you believing that everything they're doing is personal against you? Like, what is it if we really believe, oh, from this age to this age, my kid is going to not like me and I'm not going to... I'm not going to like yeah. them. What is? What are you doing then? What is that time about? Mm-hmm. Because there can be a leader in that situation who shifts that dynamic. And I always believe the leader should be the parent because we're the grown up, mature ones. Is that we can lead the way? It's not. It doesn't mean you're not going to have conflict or that they're not going to disappoint you occasionally or that you're not going to disappoint them. It's going to go both ways. But what we're saying is that you can have a a I don't know if I want to use the word goal, a, well, I'll use the word goal. You can have a goal to stay in connection with your kid, even when they're making decisions that we're like, what are you doing? And how do we keep talking about this? And how do I support you? And is there anything I can do to help you? And yeah, there are times, I mean, you know, I've worked with families in pretty deep crisis before. And yeah, there are times that we bring, we definitely bring in outside help or we realize our kid has an issue that goes beyond our understanding. Like I always want to give all sides of the spectrum that this isn't just, you know, it's not like I'm saying the answer to every problem in families is connection. Sometimes we need professional help. Um, but the goal is how do we stay in relationship with our kids? Um, are you willing to share the time you were getting in trouble and your parents were like challenged in that time? And then finally they're like, 
we don't really know what to do, so we're not going to like discipline you at all or give you any consequences. Yeah, I mean, I think I've told the story before, but basically it was, um, and I and I, I like, the reason I like to share my story is I just wish people understood what I was like as a kid. I was a good kid. I was a nice person. I had lots of friends, all that kind of stuff. But I also was doing very typical teenage things. Um, and unfortunately, getting caught for a lot of it, which, you know, as if my sister's listening, she never did. <laughs> I always did. And I, I also got in trouble. My brother's like, "You're such an idiot." I know. How do you keep getting in trouble? I just got caught, yeah. and and it and it sucked. Um, but I there was a lot of things that happened. You know, I'd get in trouble here, or I'd be brought home, or there was police incidents, and I'd be brought home. And then finally, I I got in trouble. This was my junior year. I got in trouble again, and and I was you know. I was with a bunch of other kids. There was no, like, if people my age would look at what I was doing and be like, she's not doing anything different than anybody else. And I'm not saying this to make myself feel good. I'm trying to have everybody understand what's going on in teenage world, okay? Like, I definitely knew the kids that were falling off the edge. And I didn't, I wasn't having that experience, but I was definitely drinking and smoking and doing some things like that. And I got in trouble and my parents had to come pick me up. And they were like, well, you know. We've already said our piece, like, you know, already, you know, and they're like, and you'll have to deal. They didn't say this, but I had to deal with all the fallout, um, you know, going forward, like the thing, the things I had to deal with in the school and things I had to deal with, with the person I had was dating at the time. And there was just, they were like, okay, so we don't have anything else to say. And I think that I know parents may say like, they didn't give up like the next morning I still had breakfast with them and everything like but they were like, what else can we do? Like, I think I was 17 at the time and they had gone through me, my teenage years and have had to deal with this and with a number of things with me. And I think, and it gave me some space to say, who do I want to be? Sweetie, um, I'm going to give you another hypothetical scenario. Okay. And you tell me if the parent did a good job. Remember the eight is enough where Tommy got hammered? Yeah. Who's, who was the name of the actor who played Tommy? His name... Willie Ames? Willie Ames, yeah. yeah. And he got... It's really funny. Eight is enough. If you want to go back... And Todd loves this eight is enough. It totally made an impact on you. I, I did love eight you is did, enough. You did? Well, this episode. Oh, really? Yeah. And then, uh, so what was the dad's name? Any idea? Dick Van Patten. Mr. Bradford? Uh, is that their... Was that their na- last name? Could Bradford? Brad, Bradford sounds right. And he comes... Up to his kid's room, because he knew he, he had knew been he was been drinking, and he decides that um, that it's time for he and his son to have a beer together. And whenever you're hungover, a beer is typically the last thing that you ever want to have. And that it's such an '80s parenting technique. I know, and I think it's kind of not that good of an idea. But I just want to know what your thoughts are about Mr. Bradford's decision to go up there with a beer at nine o'clock on a Sunday morning. I think it makes a TV point, but no, I would never do that because (laughs) you're just repoisoning them. I know what the point is. Well, he never drank. I I should probably tell everybody what happened in the state is enough because it's so crucial and important. (laughs) Tommy's like, dad, no, please. I can't. I can't because, you know, he's probably about to vomit. Um, So, and then Mr. Bradford like feels good about himself, like, yeah, and I don't even know, remember what he said. I should try to find it. Well, it makes the point. Just like, you know, the Cosby show when, you know, um, what's the son's name? Theo. Theo decides Theo. that he's going to move out. And then he like is like, well, how much, you know, I only need this much money. And then his dad starts saying, well, you're going to need this much money for this and this much money for that. And basically, he's not going to have enough money. Um, it's weird to talk about the Cosby show. Um it's so hard, isn't it, Todd? Like things that we, that not hard for us personally, like I'm not worried about myself when I say this, but it's really hard to, as pop culture people, to distance ourselves from the person, the artist versus their art. Yeah. The girls and I talk about this all the time when it comes to Michael Jackson, when it comes to Bill Cosby, when it comes to um, Woody Allen, when it comes, it's just, it's like, it's I, I and I'm saying I'm still in conflict of how to talk about these things. So I'll I'll put a pin in that. 
for another show. Um, um, before you put a pin in, I oh got to play this. Are you, is it really Eight is Enough? Danny Bonaducci is in this Eight is Enough, and Tommy's getting drunk with his friends. I have no idea what we're about oh to boy. hear. We always say we fall for a little decor. <laughs> He's Tommy, listen, this is Susan. Susan! Susie Cookums, hey guys, it's Susie Q. What do you say? <laughs> I asked her if she wants to fall by for a party. Big, big party. Tommy, this is your sister, Susan Cookums, baby? I think Tommy gets the overacting award there. Um, First of all, wasn't Susan the oldest? Was she the no, most Mary, responsible? No, Mary. Mary was Mary the oldest. Mary was the oldest, yeah. We should yes. just do a pop culture thing. I But should we? Because I feel like we're almost too old for Eight is Enough. Like, Eight is Enough was in reruns by the time we were watching it. No way. We were watching it live, sweetie. We were? Oh, yeah. Forget about oh, it. And okay. anybody who's born before, who are, who's and less than 40 years why old. Why is Bonaducci in it? I don't understand. He was Bonaducci like, was awesome. He was an actor. He was How old was he when he was? He was like, uh, he's the same age as William. He's probably 15 years old. So it's post-Partridge Family. Yeah, it's probably when he's... Uh, So anybody who's from Chicago has a longer relationship with Danny Bonaducci because not only was he in the Partridge family and obviously had a guest starring role on Eight is Enough, which I'm sure is a highlight of his career. Who else was a a cameo on Eight is Enough? uh, uh, Adam Rich. No, he wasn't. That was Nicholas, dude. (laughs) He's like the best part of that show. Um, Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. I don't know. We have watched this guy in a Netflix series in the last month. I don't know. Ralph Macchio. Oh, he was on Eight is Enough? Oh, I would have yeah. never gotten that. But let me finish my Dan- Danny Bonaducci Sorry, thought. Go ahead. Yeah, he, I was like right in the middle of saying the thing, is that he was a DJ here in Chicago, and he was on the loop um, on our drive home. Um, Jonathan Brandmeier was in the morning, Kevin Matthews in the middle of the day, and then Danny Bonaducci at the end of the day. So we knew him very – like when I say we knew him, he was a big part of our Chicago experience, oh, wouldn't yeah. you say? For sure. He was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, which what, now we'd probably go back and listen to it and be possibly mortified. I don't know. Can I give, can I give you one more pop culturing? Sure. Um, you, you gauge how they did it. And sure. I can't play any clips because I'm trying to find it. I can't find it. Okay. Bobby wants to run away. Bobby from the Brady Bunch. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wants to run away because yeah. he doesn't feel... I don't know. Why doesn't he feel part of the family anymore? Um, it's think, early on. It's first season. I think, like, he's not... He feel It's something going on with his mom, with his stepmom, with Carol. Yeah. Because she ends up saying she's going to leave with them. Yeah, that's that was the exact parenting move. Yeah. It's it's genius. Because they instead of saying, Bobby, that's silly, you're not running away, go back to your room and read your comic books, they're like, okay, um, if you want to run away, that's fine. But, you know, and Carol's at the bottom of the stairs with her suitcase. She's like, I'll go with you. Let's go. And then he turns around saying, hey, I don't need to run away anymore. And it's kind of sweet. Like, you know, the story you always tell about your mom is his Todd's mom tried to run away once and no, no one realized she was gone. She was hiding under the stairs or the deck. And yeah. Realized. Nobody looked for her no. and how devastating that can be to your sense of belonging mm-hmm. and to your sense of being seen. Kind of like me this morning when I was walking around in my Wonder Woman outfit and talking to Todd and he had no idea. I was looking at my computer, yeah. sweetie. We, we confirmed that. Yes. Um, so, but it's like that. It's just that. And I'm really not upset about it, by the way. Okay. Any other good pop culturing references of parenting moves that you want to bring up? Um, sorry. I, I mean, we brought up Eight is Enough. We brought up Brady Bunch. We Eight is Enough up, might be enough. Do you got any Three's Company? Brought up Cosby Show. Um, Three's Company. <laughs> Not a lot of parenting going on on Three's Company. Well, there's a lot of tricking Mr. Furley and... And Mr. Roper. And Mr. Roper, because, you know, he didn't know what was going on. Yes. They were... These days, we'd be like, they were gaslighting him. (laughs) Um, 2022 culture, we couldn't have handled Three's Company. If I would have been smarter, I would have pulled up a whole bunch of parenting pop culture references, but... Um, well, and so just to like bring it back, cause we're always all over the place. Yeah. Um, Let's not shocking. Let's bring it back. Are you backing up the car? Do you have my sound effect for uh, me? Let me see if I have that sound effect. Okay. I'm not sure. Todd's got a new computer. There it is. Nice. There it is. Back up Boogaloo. So backing it up, um, basically all we're saying is simultaneously you can teach your value system and safety. You can recognize that both are valuable and that you, while I know internally there might be some cognitive dissonance, there might be a sense of like, oh, these are contradictory. Mm. What are we trying to, how are we trying to teach our kids? Are we trying to teach them one myopic view of this is the way things are? Are we trying to teach them how to evolve as human beings? We demonstrate 
and live and practice and share our value system. And then we give them opportunities to learn and grow and create safety nets. If it be through information or conversations or bringing other people into the mix to make sure that they know how important they are and that their safety always comes first. Mm. So it's a, it's both, both and. Sweetie, I'm going to just tear through this uh, oh, blog. Boy. Okay, let's do it. The 15 best parenting role models from pop culture. Okay, I, can I can I guess some? You can guess them. I haven't even read them yet. So let me, can you see the list uh, there? It's kind of a long blog. So I'll just give you the 15th, Martin Crane from Frasier. Who's Martin Crane? That's oh, John, that's John um, Ma- Mahoney. Malone. Mahoney. Mahoney. Yes. Who I love, by the way. We did a whole show about him. He was a good dad. He was, he was, a, his sons were so different than him. Yeah. And he was, you know, he could be cranky and all that kind of stuff. But for the most part, he was very loving and very accepting of who his sons were. Some of these are not from our generation. Okay. Hilda and Zelda Spellman from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. That's our kids. Keith Mars from Veronica Mars. Um, is that Kristen Bell's show? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Morticia and Gomez Adams from the Adams family. Sweetie, da-na-na-na. That's us. We're the Adams family. Um, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt. Apparently they made it. I don't know oh, why. In what movie? Just those two people. It's not a movie. Okay. How old is this blog? Celebrity and parenthood aren't always the best combination with jobs dependent upon the positive and negative attention receiving in the media. Celeb parents expose their children to life in the public eye. I don't know. I don't know why they did it. Michael Bluth from Arrested Development. <laughs> Come on. Well, actually, okay, so Michael Bluth is Jason Bateman in Arrested Development. And in a way, I mean, he's he's one of those people who can't see himself. Michael Bluth has a big lack of self-awareness. Yeah. But he is always trying with George Michael. That's his son, <laughs> Michael Sarah. So he thinks he knows better than mm-hmm. his son, and he's not very – he doesn't love his girlfriend, Anne. Um who? Um, who? Her? Um, Sweetie, I have pop pop in the attic. <laughs> just the fact that you said it that way tells me you're not ready. Sorry. We're Arrested slowly, development quotes. Yeah, we're slowly losing okay, people, keep but going. I don't really care. Jason Seaver from Growing Pains. Yes, definitely. He was like one of the best. Yeah. DJ Tanner. From- Wait, why does it just say Jason Seaver? What about Maggie Seaver? No, Maggie gets no love here. Oh my God. Give me a break. It must have been written by a man. Let's see who came up with this list. Give me... No, the uh, Sarah Pasella wrote it um, in 2016. So this is six years old. Okay. Um, yeah, Maggie was great. Of course, they were a team. Yeah. DJ Tanner from Fuller House. Sure. DJ? Yeah. Oh, from Fuller, Fuller House. House. Okay. Roseanne from Roseanne. Okay. No. I mean, old school Roseanne, I thought. Uh, the Huxtables. Do you know my favorite Roseanne moment? And it's been kind of a meme, so it's been shared a lot. But do you remember when... Um, her daughter, um, Gil- Gilbert. Oh, what's her name in the show? Do you know who I'm talking about? Ask anyway, her person. middle daughter gets her period, and her her daughter is super athletic, mm. and she thinks because she gets her period, she is done with sports and everything. Yikes. And yeah, and Roseanne's like, "You are so not done. This is who you are. This should not, you know, infringe on your life at all." And obviously, she says it as Roseanne. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of one of those clips that has been circulated because it's so powerful. Girls, you know, unless you talk to them about, this is something you incorporate. It's yeah. not something that becomes you. Um, sweetie, we're, we got four left. Okay, go ahead. Sophia Petrillo. Yeah. Duh. Golden Girls. She's she's, good she's the best. <gasps> Phil Dunphy from Modern Family. Of course. Why is Claire not in there? I don't know. And the list is top 15 best parenting role models. Oh, my God. It's not dads. It's role and models. And think about that Phil can't be Phil unless Claire is doing what she's doing. Right. And what Claire is doing is making sure these kids, and again, she can be overbearing and mm. too controlling. I see all the Claire parts. But for the most part, she's, you know, signing them up for school, getting making their lunches, getting them to where they need to go, supporting them when they're down. Um, you know, take and, and again, she ends up being the CEO of her dad's company. She's a rock star. I mean, and she runs for office. That's she does. one of my favorite episodes. Um, I think our daughters would agree with this the number two. Okay. Lorelai Gilmore. Yeah, Gilmore Girls, baby. And then last but not But I will say that in Gilmore Girls, Lorelai and Rory have a very different relationship because they're more like peers. Mm. Because Lorelai had her when she was very young. Yeah, right. Uh last but not least, you'll never you'll never guess it. But, I won't. But you'll love it. 
Mac and Bren McGuff. Any idea who those people are? You will once I say the movie. Bren McGuff? No. It's the parents from Juno. Oh, they're the best. They're the best. The J.K. Simmons in Juno is one of the chillest, coolest dads. dads. And Allison Janney, she's the stepmother. Oh, in the in the room in Ugh. the ultrasound room. Yeah, when the the nurse, the ultrasound technician, starts totally judging Juno. Right. And you know, and here that's a perfect example. Like her parents are not thrilled about this outcome. Okay. Right. Like this is not what they wanted for their daughter. They don't want her to have to go through this, you know, June. And by the way, Juno is about a 16 year old who gets pregnant. Um, and they're not, and they're disappointed and they're sad and they go through it, but they're also like, okay, now we're here. So let's go from here. And it doesn't mean that what they shared and what they taught wasn't a value, but they embody acceptance. Yeah. Love it. And love. You know, and so ideally, the ideal is you would talk to your kids about these things and make sure that they have. And again, they may have done this in the. It's a movie. Why am I trying to explain them? It's fictional. Okay, Kathy, start over. Okay, so back to reality. The hope is that you've talked to your kids about things like sex and sexuality and and how they can be protected and how they can take care of themselves and how they can make choices that are good for them. But even with all of that, this was this actually came up on Team Zen on our on our Facebook page, someone said, I'm doing all these things Mm -hmm. that I have been taught to do. I'm talking to my kids, I'm doing these things. And yet my child is still not making great decisions. And correct. Sometimes we can teach all the things, but the goal is always, can they find their way back? Do they know that they have you? Are you a solid base? Are you doing your best to keep discussing things with them? And One thing I said to her is demonstrating your own humanity. I've actually said this to two or three people in the last week. If your kids are being disrespectful or pissing you off or whatever, and you need space, you can let them know, I need some time. Not to be passive aggressive, not to hurt them, not to, you know, turn the tables on them and make them worry about you. It's just, it's okay to be human with your kids. It's okay to let them know you're angry about something. Sweetie, I got to play the Juno scene. Okay, go ahead. This is when Juno tells her parents. Okay. I'm pregnant. Oh, God. Yeah, but uh, I'm going to give it up for adoption, and I already found the perfect couple. They're going to pay for the medical expenses and everything, and in, what, 30-year-odd weeks, we can just pretend that this never happened. You're pregnant? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And if it is any consolation, I have heartburn that is radiating my kneecaps, and I haven't taken a dump since <laughs> Wednesday. Morning. I didn't even know you were sexually active. Who is the kid? The baby? I don't really know much about it other than, I mean, it has fingernails, allegedly. Nails, really? Yeah. No, I don't, I mean, who is the father, Juno? Um, it's, it's Polly Bleeker. Polly Bleeker? (laughs) What? I didn't think he had it in him. Oh my God, that's such a great scene. I know. And it's, you know, it's... <laughs> I think he had it in a... Polly Bleeker. Oh, um, but that's, that's the best movie ever. And, and again, it goes... The whole movie is about their support and love of her. And again, we do everything we can to keep those things from occurring to help our children make the best decisions. Um, but the truth is, as we all know, as parents, we're in it for the long haul. Like, I, there's a few people that I'm talking with right now who have some pretty significant things that they're dealing with. And they, it's not something that if they would have just said this one thing or done this one thing, their kid is struggling and they're in it for the long haul. We all are. And we so, should do a pop culturing on Juno. Like, because okay. I'm just looking at like her girlfriend in the movie who's so supportive and awesome. And she's loving. totally like bonded with the parents yeah. too. Oh she's like, God. I know, right? I know. Yeah. She's there with her through the whole thing. I know. Can I tell you one more thing? Sure. Okay. Because, and my, Todd is going to laugh and my kids are too, because I haven't stopped talking about it. My sister and I took my mom to see Ticket to Paradise last Thursday. Um, We take my mom to see movies and she has yet to really like any of them. It makes me laugh. Um, Well, my sister and I'll be like, that's good. And my mom will be like, eh, she's not impressed. Um, But we saw Ticket to Paradise, which is George Clooney and um, Julia Roberts and Caitlin Devers. Is that her name? What are you playing here? Oh, two tickets to paradise. Go ahead. Eddie Money. He's not with us anymore. Rip. 
I know. Anyway, the movie is such... First of all, it's so formulaic. You've seen it all before. It's nothing new. So just be ready for that. But it was so nice to see a movie like that. Like, uh, the actors are just great. And the plot moved along just fine, as formulaic as it was. And it was just enjoyable. And I cried, like, two or three times. And I was just really surprised. And, you know, so when it started, I was like, oh, this is going to be so cheesy or whatever. And it was better than I thought. Oh, I thought you it thought it was going to like soar into the oh, chorus. That would have been so. I good. know you were so excited. Uh, Sorry, missed opportunity. What are you going to do? So anyway, I'm suggesting that if you guys, I, it might be even on like streaming, but it's also in the theaters. But if you want something to have a break from reality and just do something formulaic where you know how this is going to all end, go see Ticket to Paradise. I'm trying to be a DJ and like help you get this thing along. I'm like trying to be a good DJ where I, okay, and end. Don't forget uh, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald head of beauty, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. I also coach guys one-on-one, toddadamscoaching.com. And Men Living is going to make a big announcement this week. Ooh, what's the big announcement? Um, make it. It's, a, it's a, a way in which men are going to be able to connect in a way uh, that is kind of inaccessible right now. So it's And a, you're making it accessible? Making ex- It's a friend-forward platform called Men Living Connect. Uh, guys fill out profiles and get matched up with other guys they have some common interests in. Uh, we're so excited. It's not quite up yet. And this is about, because we talked about this, this is about friendship, yes. connection, yeah. groups of guys hanging out like the old school, you know, what's the quote from Stand By Me? Um, you know? I wish I had friends like I did when I was 12. Something about that. Yeah, like it's making friends for guys yeah. who, when they get older, they just don't have them. So maybe we'll put in a special section in next week's podcast to talk a little bit more about it. But anyways. And then the two things that you can do to support me, um, I have my Zen Parenting moment that comes out on Fridays. If you scroll down, you can subscribe. just comes out on Fridays, and it's something deep thought for the week. And then Zen Parenting, the book, um, is available everywhere. Also, Todd's holding it up, but you can't see it if you're just listening. Uh, unless they're watching um, it. Caring for ourselves and our children in an unpredictable world. It's kind of the the heart and soul of what we do on this show. It's every aspect of what we talk about and teach. So go get it, enjoy, everybody. And join Team Zen, 25 bucks a month. Can't miss. And happy Halloween. I know it's the day after Halloween, but happy moving into the, the after Halloween, things is just a roller coaster. Yeah. We go into Thanksgiving. Take we a go breath holidays, right now. Take a breath. And uh, we love you. Keep tracking. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are always grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen pre-ordering Kathy's Zen Parenting book or subscribing to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com. If you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we will talk to you again next week.